an exciting, exciting chapter. Uh, uh, we're fixing to see a major, major, major change in the world and in the, the, the way God operates in the world when we get into this chapter. Things are going to be drastically different than they were in the past. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get right on into that. All right. I'll give everybody a chance to get there. Acts 2. Acts 2, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one uh, to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were, where we were born? All right. Well, let's pray and we'll jump right into here. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity uh, just, to, just to rest in your word. Lord, I've been writing devotions in, in, in Psalm 119 all about your word. And uh, we have a, such a privilege to be able to hold the, the, the inerrant, perfect Word of God in our hand. Lord, we have something that is more powerful than any book and all the books put together. It is supernatural, and it is to be revealed by the Holy Spirit, and I understand that. So we need you to do that tonight. Lord, we need you to unlock uh, the mysteries and the truths of your Word I pray, God, that you will speak to our hearts, open our eyes to see wondrous things in your word. I pray that you'll give me the ability to teach it in a way that is completely understandable. I pray that you'll touch my mind and my heart, and don't let me forget anything I'm supposed to say, and Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done and what we know you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this is the day that has been promised. This is the day that, that was uh, uh, told by the Lord Jesus for them to wait on. Uh, we know that God promised through the Lord that the Holy Spirit would come and be with them. Jesus said in his uh, words to the disciples before his crucifixion, he said, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to depart, but when I depart, I will send another comforter unto you. I'm going to send a teacher. I'm going to send a guide. And he was in reference to the Holy Spirit. Now the time has come for that to happen. Everything is set in place. Everything is the way it should be. They have uh, uh, established the 12 apostles there to be a witness to the 12 tribes of Israel. And everything is where it needs to be. Now, here we are on this day, on this day, and here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do. We want to look at things just the way they are uh, and, and understand, and, and this is what I mean by this. Uh, how many of y'all know that there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of false doctrine out there? 
a lot of false doctrine and a lot of false teaching because they teach things out of books that they really shouldn't be getting doctrine out of. This is a transitional book and a historical book. And because of that, they get things mixed up a little bit. Uh, we see that, that God sends his Holy Spirit here. And, I, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, the, the cattle or excuse me, the calendar and, and show you what I'm talking about in a minute. But I just want to lay this out there. They, the Holy Spirit did not come because they prayed hard enough to get him to. Okay, does everybody understand that? Uh, I mean, sometimes you'll hear old timers say, we're going and we're waiting on God. We're tarrying on God. And they have this mindset that if you pray hard enough, if you're serious enough, then God will give you an extra special touch or God will send the Holy Spirit. That is not biblical. Not whatsoever. The Holy Spirit came because Jesus said he was going to come. The Holy Spirit came because Jesus sent him right on time. Say that with me. Right on God's time. And it wasn't determined. It wasn't determined by the actions of the apostles. Sometimes I think we really, we really think we're more powerful than we really are. Good and bad. Sometimes you think you've totally, completely destroyed your, your potential with God, but you're not that powerful. Say amen. And so forth on the other hand. But let's look in, in verse number one. Let's look in verse number one and we'll, we'll get right to it. Mance Havner, great man of God, he said, he said this, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it. Have we found that out by now? I said, have we found that out by now? We're not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. That's good stuff right there. You see, the early church had none of the things that we think are so essential for success today. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have money. They didn't have political influence. They didn't have social status. Matter of fact, the majority of them were outcasts in, in people's eyes. But yet the church won multitudes to Christ and saw many churches established throughout the Roman world. Why? Why? How could this happen? How was this, how was this a possibility? Because the church had the power of the Holy Spirit energizing its ministry and they were a people who were ignited by the Spirit of God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be honest with you. It's not more programs we need. And it's not better organization that we need. It's not prettier buildings or more stuff. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that's going to change people, the only thing that's going to reach people, the only thing that's going to bring what is necessary to bring people to Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Now here's, here's what we find. Let's write this down. Number one. Number one. Look what, look what it says in verse number one. And when the the day... The day. When the day of Pentecost was what? In other words, right on time. Look at this. Number one, write this down in your notes. We see the calendar events. The calendar events. This is all going to play a part in this. And you're going to understand the significance of the Old Testament when it comes to understanding the New Testament. How many of y'all remember? How many of y'all remember uh, several less, I don't, I, we may have still been in the book of John when, when I, I shared this, but everything in the old Testament is pointing to the new Testament. 
All the festivals, all of the feasts, all of the the, the rituals, all of the ceremonialism that you find uh, with the Old Testament tabernacle and with the Old Testament uh, 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 rituals that they would perform and the the sacrifices they would make, uh, they all were pointing to the New Testament. They were all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you got to understand this. The Old Testament and the New Testament. How many of y'all have ever seen them viewfinders? You remember them little red viewfinders? Look like a set of binoculars, put a little disc in. Y'all remember? You, you, you look through two different eyepieces, but you saw one picture, right? Well, if you look through the lens of the Old Testament and you look through the lens of the New Testament, you're going to see one picture, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this is how this works. Watch this right here. We see the calendar events. This is the day of Pentecost. Now, what was Pentecost? It was the feast of Pentecost, all right? Now, let's look at the Jewish calendar for just a minute. First, write these things down and we'll describe them. First, you have the feast of Passover, all right? The three major feasts in the, in the, in the Jewish culture is the feast of Passover. Now, what is, what is Passover? That is when they had the Passover lamb. Y'all remember when they came out of Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, uh, they said uh, they were told by God to take a lamb, a lamb without spot and without blemish. And they were to take that lamb and they were to kill that lamb. And the blood from that lamb was to be put on the, the doorpost and the lintel of the house. And when the death angel came, when the plague came or the judgment came, it says, when I see the blood, I will. I will pass over you. You see, without the blood, there would be judgment. Are y'all with me? And that lamb, the innocent lamb, died for the people in that house, so judgment would be stayed off. And they took that lamb, and they would eat that lamb to give them strength for the journey of coming out of bondage and coming out of Egypt. And every year, they were to take that lamb, And they were to remember what God had done for them, that God had delivered them by the power of the blood. Now let's apply that. Do you know that Jesus was the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world? Jesus died on Calvary on the day of Passover. He was the Passover Lamb. At the moment that all of the lambs were being slaughtered in Jerusalem, Jesus was dying on a cross to be the final fulfillment for the payment of our Somebody say amen. He was the Passover Lamb. And see, the Passover meal, the Passover feast is a type of the crucifixion. Write that down. You may have already done it. We'll write it again. Put some emphasis there. Amen. So the Passover feast is a picture of the. So what was happening? What was happening down through the ages, down through the years as they held the Passover feast? Little did they know that God was pointing to his precious lamb. And the death and the suffering and the sacrifice of the innocent dying for the guilty. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The next feast. The next feast would be the feast of first fruits. This is a type of the resurrection. Jesus being the first fruits of them that would sleep. Those who have died, Jesus would be the first fruits of all those that God is going to bring back. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 17, by the way. Write that down beside that. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. 
The feast of first fruits. That is a picture of the resurrection. The resurrection. But then the feast of Pentecost. This is where the church is empowered. God baptizes the church into Jesus Christ. The church is established and empowered. Now, let's look at our notes. Let's look at our notes. Pentecost means 50th. All right? Say that with me. Pentecost means 50th. Because this feast was held 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. All right? The calendar of Jewish feasts in Leviticus 23 is an outline of the work of Jesus Christ. So if you want to see where you're getting all this from, you can later in your home, you can go and read Leviticus chapter number 23. And you'll see this laid out. Passover pictures his death as the Lamb of God. The Feast of Firstfruits pictures his resurrection from the dead. Fifty days after Firstfruits is the Feast of Pentecost, which pictures the formation of the church. Now watch this. Watch how this works. This is so good. At Pentecost, the Jews celebrated the giving of the, the law. But Christians celebrate it because it's the giving of the Holy Spirit in the church. Now watch how this works. Watch how this works. At Mount Sinai, God gave the Jewish nation his divine law or the standard by which to measure holiness. In other words, God's expectation of holiness and that they could not live. In other words, God's expectation of holiness and what he expects out of everybody and how they to live, how they to operate. And guess what? They cannot live up to his expectations. How many of y'all understand we can't either? We can't either. But watch this. Watch this. But on the day of Pentecost, after Christ's ascension, he did not give his people, the people, his standard to live up to. He gave them his spirit who would accomplish holiness through them. This means that we no longer need the external force of the law to keep us in God's will because we have the internal leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Ezekiel 20, or excuse me, Ezekiel 36, 26, it's prophesying of this same event. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. What does that mean? We are not controlled by an outward external law. Listen, all that does is stir up trouble. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me helping me to accomplish the will of God in my life, doing what I, somebody say amen. So they celebrate the giving of the standard. We celebrate the giving of the Spirit and the Spirit coming and to be with us, not just temporarily, but completely forever. Are y'all with me? And we'll talk about that some more in just a second, all right? So we see the calendar events. How many of y'all can see the, 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 the importance of the day? The importance of the day. Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean by it wasn't their praying that got him there? It was God's timetable. Because it fulfilled, watch this now, it fulfilled all of the portrayal given in the Old Testament. It had to happen on Pentecost because that was God's timetable. And it was a fulfillment of the Old Testament festivals. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, now let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. It says in verse number two, 
And suddenly, suddenly, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not really sure either way. Uh, uh, there are some that believe that they were in the temple at this time. And there are some that believe they were in the same upper room that they were in when they, when they prayed and, and, and chose the other apostle. Uh, some believe that it was in the temple because of what Luke said at the end of Luke, that they were continually in the temple praising and, 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 and glorifying God. Uh, but it's it really irrelevant. Uh, it could be in the temple. It could be in this upper room. But regardless of where it was, they were together. They were unified. They were in one accord. I, I looked up the, the word accord here in this particular situation, and it means same passion. Same passion. In other words, they had a zeal for the same thing. Wouldn't it be amazing if churches in America would get on fire for the same thing? If they would quit having their own agendas and their own opinions and and controlled by their own preferences and quit fighting and arguing over everything and just learn to have the passion for the same thing, a passion for the gospel, a passion to see sinners saved, a passion to know Christ in a greater way. Amen. They were in one accord in one place. And look what happens. Suddenly. In other words, this took them by surprise. Suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, now let's look at this. Number two, I want you to see the crowd's experience. The crowd's experience. First, write this down. I want you to see the sound that accompanied. The sound. It sounded like wind. It didn't say they felt it. It said they heard it. They heard it. It was a loud. Listen, if you were here during a tornado, you know what it sounds like. A rushing mighty wind. Everybody knows what wind sounds like. It's a hard uh, rushing wind. So here they are in the upper room, and they just hear this wind. You know, here it comes. Now, here's what I want you to look. Look at your notes, John 3, 8. And by the way, by the way, if you want to write this down, the, the, the word spirit and the word wind are identical in, in the Hebrew translation and in the Greek translation. It's the same identical word, okay? John 3, 8 says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Spirit. Psalm 18.10. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the, of the wind. What is this? It's the type of the Holy Spirit coming. All right? The Holy Spirit came and it sounded like a wind. Uh, John, in John, we see Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, you can't see him. You can't see him. Uh, uh, it's not some. It's like the wind. It, you, you can see the leaf move, but you don't know what moved it. And the and the wind can blow on this leaf and not on this leaf. That's why. That's why uh, uh, God can touch someone over in this section and some over here don't even know what in the world's going on, or vice versa. The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came. They heard a sound. Then B, we see the sight 
the sight that appeared. This was a flame of fire. It says in verse number, uh, verse number three, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like, it didn't say it was fire. It says like is fire. It's what he's, it looks like. Okay. So over every one of them was a, 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 what looked like a flame, a flicker of flame. What does Malachi say? Malachi 3, 2. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's what? Fire and like fuller soap. Matthew 3, 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He, talking about Jesus, John Baptist is speaking and he's talking about Jesus. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now, now don't make this mistake. And they say, and with fire. That's what he's talking about. That's, that was the day of Pentecost. That's that fire. No, he's not. That's judgment. All right. And, and, and the reference that John Baptist is saying, that is talking about judgment. Okay. He is talking about baptism with fire. Yes, that's, that's, that's the day of Pentecost, but not the fire part. That's talking about judging those who will not believe. But either way, there is an outward sign. All right. There's an outward visual sign. Uh, uh, appearance of something that's over each one of them. God is showing them that every single one is included. All right? Every single one is included. All right? Then see. Don't you see the speech that amazed? The speech that amazed. The sound that accompanied, the sight that appeared. And the speech that amazed. It says in verse number, verse number four. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now that word tongues means languages. Yeah. Languages. In other words, the Spanish tongue, the uh, Latin tongue, uh, the whatever, whatever language you want, it was a known language. And we know that for sure, without question whatsoever, by what's said in the following verses. Uh, so when we see this, we see they are speaking languages. Now, what's, so, what's such a big deal about that? And there's people that know a lot of languages. Uh, the, the miracle of tongues in the New Testament is being able to speak a language you have not previously learned. Right. All right, does everybody understand that? And so they begin, to, they begin to speak languages. Now, let's, let's see the significance of this, all right? It amazed them. Look what it says in verse number five. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. In other words, from all of the dysphoria, all from where they had been scattered abroad. Now, here was the deal. This was one of the feasts that all of the Jewish males were required to attend. So whether you lived in Rome, whether you lived in Syria, modern-day Iran, Iraq, all these other places around the Mediterranean, you were required to come back to Jerusalem and take part in this festival, in this feast. If that makes sense, say amen. So you're going to have a ton of different people, a ton of different nationalities, or, or excuse me, a ton of different languages of people that are here in Jerusalem at this time. I mean, it, it's, it, it would be just like any kind of other holiday uh, where they come from all over. The Bible says, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They couldn't believe it. Because, now watch why, watch why. Because that every man heard them speak in his own, what? Language. Language. 
Now listen, I've got dear friends of mine that's, that's, that's church of God, that's in a, in a different uh, denomination than I am, but I need you to understand this. This was not unintelligible gibberish. This is not what the modern day charismatic movement has tried to teach and push and, and get people to understand. It was a known language, all right? And this proves it. This one verse proves it. Look what it says. It says, verse 6, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his... Come on, you got kind of weak on me. In his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Galileans? You see, they, they had this idea that Galileans was a bunch of ignorant hicks. You remember when, you remember when it was told that, that the Messiah was come from Nazareth? And one of Jesus' own disciples said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because Nazareth was in the Galilee region. Nothing good. There's nothing good in Nazareth. There's a bunch of hillbillies over there. Nothing. But how is it possible that these people who most likely are uneducated, uninformed, are speaking all of these languages? Can y'all see the amazement? Now watch. Watch what it says. Verse 8. And how here, he, he, he says it again. How here we every man in our own what? Tongue. What do you think he's saying? He's saying in our own what? Language. In our own language. We understand them in our own language. Now watch this. They had the ability supernaturally to speak in the languages that they could understand. Now here's, here's the deal. What took place at this moment? Now you remember what I said? There's going to be a major change. A major change. At this point, God is showing the church, the early church, the early believers, and the entire world that what is fixing to take place, what I'm fixing to share, is for the entire world. What did he do? Watch this now. What, what, what did he do at Pentecost? He reversed the curse. Yeah. Say that with me. He Say it again. He And he said, what curse are you talking about? The, you remember the Tower of Babel? You remember the Tower of Babel? You remember when God said, hey, man, these people, they gonna, we got to do something here. We need to separate them. And he, he confounded and confused the languages. So they could not understand each other. And there was a separation of people. They would go, listen, everybody that spoke this language went this way. Everybody that spoke this language went that way. And everybody that spoke this language went that way. They kind of got together and they were separated. But what did God do in an instant, in a moment? He reversed the curse. Now everybody understood the same thing and the same truth. And what was the same truth? The Bible says they were speaking the wonderful works of God. So who is salvation for? It's no longer a Jewish thing now. Listen, God, you remember what I said? God's going to change things. For years and years and years and years, God primarily operated through the Jewish people. And he reached the world through the Jewish people. They were supposed to be a light to all of the world through them. But now things are different. You did not have to become a Jew to get to God. Are y'all with me? 
Jesus tore down the walls of separation. He tore down the division. And now everyone can come. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your language is. Salvation is for all. Amen. Church, say amen. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. The song is true. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in the sight. Amen. All of them. Man, this is cool. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all of a sudden? And by the way, by the way, that was hard for some of them Jews to deal with. It's hard to, to, to be a certain way. See, y'all think, you old timers in here that, that, that have grown up in old time religion, you think it was hard on you to have to sing a contemporary song? Can you imagine, can you imagine those Jews who looked at Gentiles as they were the scourge of the earth, all of a sudden God saying, you're no different than them now? They struggle with it. Matter of fact, had to tell Peter three times just to get his attention. We'll get to that chapter in a little while. But God says things are different now. Things are different now. Listen, there's no longer Jew and Gentile. It's one body. It's one body. It's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Gentile. It's one body in Christ. It's one body in Christ. There's no hierarchy. There's no favorite people. There's no levels of importance. We're all in the body of Christ. Amen? Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this. We're going to get out early. I can see that already. Y'all so negative. I'm going to show you, though. Watch this. We only got one point left. We got 30 minutes for one point. Y'all think it's going to take me 30 minutes to preach one point? Well, it might. All right. Shh. We see. We see. What's this all about? What's this all about? Why did God? Why did God send the Holy Spirit? Why did God do what he did? Why was it so necessary that the day of Pentecost take place? And, and he, was so, he was so forceful in telling them, don't go without God. You've got your commission. You know what you're supposed to do, but don't start the journey till the Holy Spirit comes, right? Let's look at why. Number three, I want you to see the converts empowered. The converts empowered. Let's go back to let's go back to Acts one eight. Acts one eight. But ye shall receive power. When are you going to get that power? After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Okay. When he's come upon you. Now here, here is a difference. Here is the difference between the Old Testament economy, if you will, and the New Testament. 
in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go. He would come and go. You remember where it says he departed from Saul? You remember King Saul when he got real ignorant on God and the Holy Spirit departed from him? And, and you remember when David sinned? You remember what was the one thing he was worried about? And he said, he said, listen, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David was afraid because of his failure and his sin that God would take what was most precious to him away. Are y'all with me? Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and he would... It was a temporary. It was a temporary deal. Uh, You look at Samson. You look at Samson. There were times the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell mightily upon him. What does that mean? He came on him, in him, controlling him. Does that make sense? But now things are different. Now he's coming for good. That's what Jesus meant when he says, I'm going, I have to go because if I don't go, he can't come. But if I go, I will send him to dwell with you and in you. So this is a permanent deal. So once a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is permanently indwelled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, he's sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. It's God saying, I'm telling you I'm serious about my offer. And we are sealed. We are indwelled. Say that with me. That's the word. Say it again. Indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, he said, when you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power. Somebody say amen. Power. You have power. You don't have to walk around afraid. You don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to walk around like second class citizens. I know this culture is going bananas and insane and trying to do everything they can to push us into a closet somewhere. But you walk around, you have power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit, the authority of the scriptures. Jesus said in the Great Commission, no matter where you go, I am going with you. I will be with you always. Say amen. But what's it for? What's it for? Oh, I need power to raise that pew full of youngins over there. I need power to love my wife like I'm supposed to. I need power to lead this church like I need to. I need wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I need him to, are y'all with me? But the primary purpose, the primary purpose is to be a witness. And isn't it amazing? We ask God for help in everything but that. But what if we did this? What if we did this? How many of y'all know God has leftovers? You don't believe me? How about when he fed the 5,000? Twelve basket loaves. Bless God. Say amen. Left over. Now what if we did this? What if we asked God to fill us with his power to be a witness 
And what was left over would give us what we need to Maybe, maybe we're over here asking God, oh, God, help me with this crazy teenager. Give me the Holy Ghost, Lord, before I kill him. And you ain't witnessed to anybody in a month. Why should God give you power to solve a problem if you're not utilizing it to accomplish his purpose? You know what I found out? If you will accomplish his purpose, he will deal with your problems. Now, some of y'all are looking at me kind of funny. Don't look at me like you don't have problems. Hello? How long has school been open now? A week? That's enough to be in the altar right now. Especially them new, new, new car picking up people. One of the greatest days in my life was when my kid could drive and I didn't have to go. And all God's people say it. Amen. Come on now. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be a little funny so you don't feel quite as bad. But we're not witnessing. And that is the primary purpose for the power. You will notice that that's the first thing that takes place when the Holy Spirit came on them and they received God's supernatural power. The very first thing they did was witness. That's it. Witness. So, so with this being said, watch this, watch this. The converts were empowered for a, write this down. We'll just give you both of them and then we'll talk about it. For our Christian witness. Write that down. Our Christian witness. Now remember what we said the other day. You may be a plumber. You may be a painter. You may be a doctor or a lawyer. But that's your second job. Your first job is a witness. And God will let you be a painter to put you around people to be a witness. And if you don't believe that, most painters I know are drunks. <laughs> and they need a witness. Do I have a witness? Uh, Brother Steve, you're in construction? How close am I? Pretty close. Except the painters that go here. They better not be. <laughs> And they're going to appreciate you taking up for them. <laughs> we delivered Brother Doyle and snatched him out of the pits of hell and saved him. Now he's up serving. Amen. He... Amen, Miss Belisa. I see you back there. All right. All right. So why does God give us power to be a witness? All right. Now write this down and then we'll talk about this. For our Christian work. Our work. I hear this all the time. I don't really know how to answer it. Except just to say, it's just God. How do you do what you do? And I don't really have an explanation. 
Because sometimes I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, really, I really could not give you an answer. All I can tell you is God. And you're going to find places and times in your life that God's going to ask you to do something. And it's going to seem impossible. Matter of fact, if he asks you to do something you can do, it's probably not him that's asking. And, and what I mean by that is this. God usually will not ask us to do something we can do because if we can do it, we can get the credit for it. Y'all know what I'm saying? Remember what he did with Abraham? He said, Abraham, you're going to have a boy. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you an heir. And this is going to be cool. I'm going to bless you like crazy sands of the sea, stars of the sky. I'm going to. But he waited till it was physically impossible for Abraham. And Abraham even tried to cheat. And that got us in all the mess we're in now. But he waited till it was impossible. So that only God could get the credit. Did y'all notice that? And, and, and what about David? What about David? David and Goliath, right? Saul was a head taller than everybody in the whole army. He, in other words, in the, whole, in the whole country, he was the man. But God said, nope, nope. And there was probably some tougher men than David. There was probably a whole lot more seasoned and experienced war fighters than David. But God says, I need to run. Because when David went out there, he said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. It, it just made Goliath mad. I mean, it just, just ticked him off in the worst kind of way. He was insulted that this child would come out here. And David just said, well, I tell you what. You're going to die today and everybody on that hill because the, the, the Israelites were on one side and the, and the Philistines were on the other side. And he said, and this is what's going to happen. Everybody on this side is going to know there's a God in Israel and everybody on that side is going to know there's a God in Israel. He didn't say they're going to know my, my skills as throwing this rock. He didn't say, watch what I'm fixing. He said, God's going to do it. And you know why God picked David? Because David would give God the credit. And you may tell you why God uses some people more than he uses other people? Because then some people are going to give God the credit. They're not going to try to take the glory and get all the fame. If you will give God credit in your life, God will do more for you. Amen? And we need his power to accomplish these things. Now, Here's the thing we got to understand. There's, there's kind of a, a misunderstanding when it comes to the filling of the Spirit and the, and the baptism of the Spirit. So let's, let's look at that a minute. Look what it says in verse number, uh, verse number two. <clears throat> verse number two. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. What took place at that moment was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. The. Say it again. The. Now, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's the spiritual act of God placing you into the spiritual body of Christ. 
Y'all with me? I said spiritual. It is a spiritual act done only by God of placing every believer into the spiritual body of Christ. No matter who you are, he brings unity. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. That's what makes, that's what makes whether you're a Jew or Gentile irrelevant. I'm in Christ. It's what makes whether you're male or female irrelevant. You're in Christ. There's no, there, you remember what I said? There's no division. There's no hierarchy. God tore down the wall of, 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 of partition, the, the separation between that. We are all. Now, you remember what Jesus prayed? You remember what Jesus prayed right before his crucifixion when he was praying to the Father? And he said, I want my people, I want them to be. You remember? He said, I want them all to be one. As we are one, Father, I want them to be. Guess what? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And when the complete church was was put together, when we get Cornelius in there at at chapter number 10, when everything's put together, now we're all one. There's not a Jewish church. There's not a Gentile church. There's not, we're one in the body of Christ. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now stay with me. I'm going somewhere. This is going to make sense. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time event. Okay? Turn with me real quickly. I want you to look at this. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Actually, I think it's Ephesians 4. We'll look at both of them. Go to Ephesians 4 first. Ooh, hurry up. We're running out of time. It's y'all's fault. Y'all are slow, okay? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Y'all there? Now, now let's, let's read it. Verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity. unity. There's a good word. Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, watch this. There is one body. Now, that's not talking about your physical hands and feet. It's talking about the body of Christ. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One and one. Now, watch this. And one baptism. One baptism. You're only placed in Christ one time. Are y'all with me? It's a spiritual act of God of placing you in the spiritual body of Christ. Does everybody understand that? Now, let's look at the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. All right, the filling, here's your notes. The filling of the Spirit has to do with power for witness and service. We are not exhorted to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture does it exhort you or encourage you to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It never tells you that. It automatically happens the moment that you are saved. Okay? Now, it says, but, but we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Let's look at that. Ephesians 5.18. Just flip the page over. It says, be not drunk with wine, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be 
Come on. But be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled there is the word that's used to mean continuously filled. Continuously. It is not something that happens once and you're done. Okay? Now let me, let me explain it. Let's keep reading. For we need His power constantly, constantly if we are to serve God effectively. At Pentecost, the Christians were filled with the Spirit and experienced the baptism of the Spirit. But after that, after that, they experienced many feelings, Acts 4, 8, 31, 9, 17, 13, 9, but no more what? Baptisms. The baptism of the Spirit means that I belong to His body. The fullness of the Spirit or the filling of the Spirit means that my y'all catch that? That's the best way to explain it. That's the best way to explain it. The baptism of the Spirit means I belong to His body. The fullness of the Spirit means that my body belongs to Him. The baptism is final. The fullness is repeated as we trust God for new power to witness. The baptism involves all other believers, for it makes us one in the body of Christ. We just read that. While the fullness is personal and individual, there are two distinct experiences and they must not be confused. All right, here's, here's, the, here's the deal. If you are here and you are saved, you're a true child of God. The moment that you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Immediately, at that point, right there. You are now in the body of Christ. You are one with all the other believers and sisters in Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Okay? That's final. That doesn't ever happen again. There's only one baptism. Okay? But, and by the way, it, nowhere in Scripture, not one single Scripture tells you that you need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit or to seek a baptism or to pray for a baptism or to ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Not one single verse. But there's verses over and over that says to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled. Now, the difference is this. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that placed me in Christ. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is, let's, let's just use this verse, let's just use this verse to, to study it, okay? Be not drunk with wine. Be not drunk with wine. Now, what does it mean to be drunk with wine? We use a word intoxication, all right? When, when you're arrested, they're saying you're under the, say it again, you're under the, in other words, you're driving crazy, Because the alcohol in you is influencing you in the way you're behaving. Does that make sense? Now, when you are filled with the Spirit, it's the same illustration. He said you don't need to be under the influence of alcohol. You don't need to be under the influence of anything of that nature. But you are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should influence your behavior. The Holy Spirit should influence your words. The Holy Spirit should guide you and direct you and tell you what to do and what to say. And Are y'all with me? And we need that feeling over and over and over again. Why? It's not so I can get more of the Holy Ghost. I done got all of him. It's so he can get more of me. 
The Holy Spirit filling you, filling you, is determined by you. And by the way, let me just throw this in here. <laughs> Clock, man, I'm telling you, it's an enemy. He cannot fill you if you're full of you. I want God to control me. You won't let go of the wheel. I want God to fill me. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you don't want to do what he wants you to do. The Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that we are to deny ourselves, Take up his. Now, what happens on a cross? Come on. Do you know you can't crucify yourself? You can't do it. But do you know the Holy Spirit can help you die to yourself so you can live for him? Somebody said, why do we need to be filled over and over again? Because we leak. Let me prove it. How many of y'all left the house one morning? You prayed up and everything. Expecting a great day. I mean prayed and I mean just had God all over you. Till you got to work. Maybe you prayed and had God all over you till you woke her up. Or him, or him. <laughs> Ever, yeah. Woo. You do it. You're doing good. You're doing good. And somebody cuts you off in traffic. Are y'all with me? I'm going to need this whole front row to mute it. All right? Both sides. Both sides. Security. Do I have security? My own father. Do y'all get the point? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on Brother Steve. I'm going to tell on Brother Steve. Uh, we were the first thing we learned in, in DMD class is to be led by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And I said, in the morning before you leave, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to control you, to lead you to that person who needs the gospel. And and uh, then later on, the, the following week, we were going through this, and I, I was telling my experience. I said I, I prayed that morning, and. And, and man, around lunchtime, I just, I wanted to witness somebody else. I said, Lord, fill me again. Control my mind. Control my thoughts. And, and Steve raised his hand and said, wait a minute, preacher. I didn't know you could ask him twice in one day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Brother Steve says he's asking every hour on the hour now. We need to be filled. And that literally means to be totally Influence controlled by the Holy Spirit. What gave Peter the words to say on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. 
What influenced, what influenced those 120 believers to be speaking in the languages that all of them could understand? The wonderful works of God, the Holy Spirit. Now listen, we need Him desperately. Have you watched the news lately? Have you seen the crazy world we're living in? We desperately, desperately need the Holy Spirit. If you're going to win your family, if you're going to stay sane, let's ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, does everybody understand now, before we dismiss, before we dismiss, does everybody understand the difference between the baptism, it's a how, what time event? One time event. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a continuous, all right? A, basically, it's a continuous submission to his leadership in our life. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, I need everybody to look at the clock. <clears throat> it is 106, and we are getting out before it turns red. I was right. <clears throat> okay? All right, all right. Hey, next week, forgot the last point. I wasn't right yet. <clears throat> Confusion explained. Confusion explained. We're going to talk about tongues. Speaking in tongues, what's it all about? Today, modern day tongues, is it right? Is it godly? We'll talk about all that next week. All right? So come back and be with us. And all God's people say it. Well, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. Lord, I pray that you will guide us, direct us, empty us of us, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, influence us, control us, direct us. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody.